1: ABTB Buddies. I've got Johnny Beaner as my guest for this episode. Found Johnny when I was. Cruising dry bar comedy specials, and I really, really liked his. and It is in the show notes, so you can pull it up and watch it on YouTube in the show notes. You don't even need to get the dry bar app. Johnny has a background in improv and studied at the Second City in Chicago and the Upright Citizens Brigade in Los Angeles. Here's something cool he was the last first time comedian on Late Night with David Letterman. So in 2015, he was the last first timer to be on the show dave had a bunch of people that had been on the show before after that but he was the last first timer johnny made the cut he's been on fox's laughs he's been on gotham comedy live and he appears on the bob and tom show a lot of my guests have been on the bob and tom show but he's been on the uh, bob and tom show uh, many times and is a regular You can also hear him on Sirius XM Radio. It's a really good interview. Johnny is a great comedian and just does an excellent job up there. Please watch that Dry Bar special because it's totally hilarious. That one made me laugh really good. It's Johnny Beaner. Johnny, thanks for coming to the podcast today. Well, thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. So Good I'm doing here. this. I'm doing this weird thing where I, uh, I I just go to Dry Bar and pick out a video and watch it. And I watched yours, and it's almost like we're the same person, because <laughs> you're six five, I'm six five. You sucked at sports. I sucked at sports. It's, it's just like we're we're the same person, except for you're a little bit younger. I'm, oh okay, okay. Other than that, and I have a little bit more hair, just a little bit. more. Oh yeah. Oh well, you know, hair. What? Who cares about hair? I mean, the nice thing. I know Hair's <laughs> overrated. Yeah. Um. And you. You know, I think you might be able to help me because there is a website where I order most of my clothes from called American Tall. Have you heard of it? No, that's good. You're. It sounds like you're going to be helping me. Yeah. I, I don't have clothes that fit me very well. Exactly, this, that's our problem. So what I'm thinking about doing, I've already approached them on Twitter. They don't have any way of contacting them, so I've approached them on Twitter, and I'm going to do a Facebook. What I want to do is bring them on as a sponsor, and they just pay me in clothes. I, I don't need I, I don't need money. I need clothes, right. and then we're gonna if we could do that. So we could do this together because you have a podcast too. We could yeah, I have a podcast. Yeah, we could be co sponsors and then we could like share our wardrobe and never have to pay for clothes again i like it i like it that's golden idea yeah everything i everything i have to wear is uh my
0: my mother-in-law figured it out large tall but a lot of lines don't offer that
1: tall option and that's exactly do, they sell out yeah, let's talk about American Tall a little bit because their large tall is perfect. So we're both large talls. It's just, it's wonderful. And they even have extra tall. So if you're like seven foot tall, they have the extra tall. So that shirt that you want to wear untucked can stay untucked and you don't show your belly button. So it's just, right. it's I, I love their clothes. I got um, I got workout clothes. I got a denim sh- I've spent a lot of money with them. So they should be giving me some clothes in exchange for a sponsorship. So let's get together. Let's make that that happen and uh, let's just be the the tall guys with nice clothes for once all right sounds good yeah <laughs> so I so I discovered you on the uh, dry bar listen to your special I I stalked all this all your videos and stuff like that you are effervescent as a comedian I mean it's weird because I listen because your dry bar special is on Spotify which I don't use anymore because Spotify sucks for comedians and musical yeah, artists but you
0: pulled all the albums
1: but before I uh, before I got uh, mad at Spotify I listened, listened to it and then I watched it. it's amazing how different watching is than listening because everything's funny when you listen but when you see the mannerisms and stuff like that and you do good act outs and all that kind of stuff so Mm -hmm. i always i always recommend if there is a video of something that you watch it so just get that dry bar app and watch johnny's show because it's really really good
0: Oh, thank you yeah you can watch it on the dry bar plus app i think yeah or just drive our app but then you can also you can watch it on youtube if you just do a youtube search for johnny Beaner and look at the longest one they have it posted basically in full it doesn't have the intro or the credits uh-huh. it's,
1: it's pretty much the special yeah yeah it was it was really good so what got you started in doing stand-up
0: um I just I always wanted I always did theater stuff like you know growing up and then uh my older brother who's uh living in uh LA he's an actor and he he dabbled in stand up very briefly just kind of did it experimentally you know when he was living in New York mm-hmm. and I just thought that was so cool fell in love with it and I just had to do it and so I went and lived with him one of the semesters after uh, freshman year of college mm-hmm. And so I was in New York for three months and just did, you know, bringer shows, and that's the first time I did it, and just uh-huh. kind of fell in love and started doing it around, putting on my own shows, producing shows at at uh, at the campus on call, uh, you know, at college, and then, and then after I graduated, just kind of went for it. Uh-huh. I mean, I got a, you know, I got a job, I got I had to get a job, job, but while I was working towards going full time, and then, and then made the plunge and. T- 2007 i believe i went cool.
1: full-time and i i saw in your bio that you also uh, did some stuff at second city in chicago are you originally a chicago guy no i well milwaukee milwaukee, no, originally okay. milwaukee but Close so enough. i yeah. just
0: went down to the chicago every you know yeah Sunday and went through that program
1: you've definitely got that midwest uh flavor to your comedy that works so well I mean it's I, i'm I'm from uh, South Bend Indiana so just a hop okay. sc- I'm just on the other side of Chicago from you so it's uh yeah. yeah it was uh for some reason midwesterners just love to hear other midwesterners do comedy yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
0: That's so funny. That you said, I'm glad to hear that because like, I mean, we, we lived in L. in 2015, we moved to LA and, uh, and you know, it was great. We were there for four years and we just knew we, you know, we're, we're, I mean, I'm a Midwest, you know, I'm a Midwest guy. I like the Midwest better. LA was cool for what it was. It had pluses, but I'm so much happier just being back and I'm in Madison now. Oh, okay. Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. So that's where, we, that's where we live now. And that's, uh, you know, but I just, I, I just like the Midwest better. So I'm glad that it comes across as a good fit.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we can pick each other out of a crowd pretty easy, I think, just, just <laughs> by saying, Ope, you know, uh, then yeah. <laughs> and we're, we're good to go. You're like, oh, yeah, Midwest, yeah. yep. Um, so what, one of the cool things that I read was that you were one of the last stand-ups on Letterman. And yeah, I, it's funny, it's funny that you, you mentioned, uh, last week you had
0: Eddie Brill, right? Yeah. Because yeah, I, so I, I was, uh, he had me on his, uh, the, the great American comedy festival and I met him at the laughing, the laughing skull festival in Atlanta and we kind of hit it off and, you know, kept in touch. and, And then he had me on that, uh, and we were talking and then and then he, you know, and then he was no longer the person booking it. Yeah. And uh and so, you know, that that stinks. But he I mean, he's a great guy. He's a good friend. Every time I go to New York, I reach out to him. Um, but uh yeah, 20, 2015 I did the I did Letterman and uh I was the last new comic they had. So I was the last comic to make their debut.
1: Oh wow. That <laughs> yeah. was that kind of weird? Was the studio kind of weird going into it because they knew it was the end uh no i
0: mean it was january and he didn't leave till what may yeah so i mean and i'd never i'd never been there so it's not like i was like Ooh, yeah this different <laughs> than normal you know i was still crapping my pants for my own reason yeah you know?
1: yeah but what? yeah it was uh it was very surreal and exciting i bet so i mean you get like four and a half or five minutes when you go out there how did you know that that five minutes was ready when you got out there
0: well so here's so here's kind of the story of how it happened so i uh you know i submitted and and he he reached back he reached back the 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 booker that was doing it when i did it and said you know this is a good set i'd love to work with you and you know you know and, ha- and have you on hopefully sometime? And this was before it was announced that he was retiring. Mm-hmm. And then we'd go back and forth and I didn't really get a whole lot of response. And I was like, Oh, okay. And then he announced he's retiring and I was like, ah, it's just not going to happen. And I uh-huh. would send occasional messages, just checking in and not hear anything. And I was like, ah, dang it. <laughs> and then after Christmas, I was like, all right, well, whatever. One more shot. And he said, hope you had a good holiday, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then he emailed me back, and he was like, hey, uh, can you talk on the phone? So I talked to him on the phone. He's like, hey, in, you know, a couple weeks, uh, next Next week, are you, you know, are you available? Mm-hmm. So obviously, obviously, it was a fallout, and the timing was perfect. But I was like, uh, yeah, so that whole week, you know, between the phone call. So I got the phone call on the 7th of January. And then I did my show on, I think the 15th and it aired on the 16th. Uh-huh. And, uh, so I would just go every club, you know, Madison, Milwaukee, I kind of told them, Hey, this, I, I mean, I am going to be on the show. Uh-huh. I need to run this set. Uh-huh. And this was the set that I had submitted. There's just a couple tweaks. I couldn't say, I don't know. I think I said boobs in one thing and they wanted it to change. I ended up cutting the whole, that joke because I didn't, Saying breasts just isn't, you know. It just changed the whole thing. It wasn't yeah. as funny, but uh, yeah. So I just ran it a bunch of times, and uh, like every night until I we went. And, and you know, even in New York, we went out and and they they take you to a club and you run it the night before, um, just to, you know, mm-hmm. time for timing purposes. And and he's writing down notes and anything. So yeah, I mean that had the the set had been kind of. I think the set that I sent him was recorded, you know, probably five, six months before I did it,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: the initial set.
1: So thinking about when you started and working, you know, essentially in improv and doing the, the bringer shows and things like that, when did you realize that, hey, I'm good enough to be on Letterman or I think I'm good enough to be on Letterman?
0: Oh God. I, I don't know if, I don't know if I ever, I don't know if I ever felt that way. I don't even know. If I still feel that way. I, mean, I have <laughs> such, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I've ever felt like that. I just was like, Hey, it's not going to happen if you don't put it out there, uh-huh. you know, what's the worst that could happen. They could say, no, they can ignore me or they can say, stop sending, you know, what? Oh, well, you know, Yeah. And they're going to have to do that if they want me to stop submitting. Cause I want it, you know, I wanted to be on that show and I don't know. I mean, I think, I, I think, especially when I started, I had way more, co- I think a lot of comedians are this way, but I had way more confidence than I had talent. Yeah. Ability. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I was bad. I was doing, so I did New York, you know, those bringer shows and I was terrible, but I didn't know. I didn't know anything. And so I started producing my own shows at Marquette, where I went to college, and they were, you know, they were great. But I was on the I was on the improv team. I, I was I was running the improv team at, at Marquette. And so the whole campus knew who I was. I already had them on my side. So anytime I would produce a show at college, I was basically performing for people that already were fans or knew who I was. So then when I graduated college and I started doing the clubs for strain, you know, for Mm -hmm. non-college kids that were adults and didn't know me at all. Ooh, that was a, that was a slap. That was a rude awakening. I did the comedy cafe my first weekend after like the first two shows, JD, the, you know, the owner was like, just, just doing, you know, this club is no, has a reputation for kill for just, just do the announcements. You'll, yeah. you'll get better, but you we can't. You got to just do the announcements. No jokes. Uh-huh. And I was like, that killed me. But, you know, I kept at it. So I, you know, I kind of, but I never, I I don't know. I guess I've just always been delusional. That's that's, that's, that's kind of what you have to be to, to get ahead, you know, and to get far.
1: Yeah, really. In anything that you do, you have to be a little bit delusional and a little bit overconfident in order to get up to the next level. That's what I yeah, found. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now you were your um, your set um, works well for dry bar, but it also is a really good club set, and you know. Clean clean comedy, you know, I, I'm really glad it made a, co- a comeback because that's what I do. And mm. I'm, you know, I'm glad Gaffigan and uh, Bargatze d- did their thing and uh, made, made it so uh, clean comedy is a little bit more uh, acceptable. <laughs> you know? Yeah, more, more, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and... Um, but you, you do it in a way that it, it just brings people in, it, you know, people are leaning in. They, they, they want to know ab- about your, your, uh, relationship with your wife and, and, you know, the joke about, uh, she can push out a nine pound baby, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, the, uh, Commercials on Netflix or on Hulu, you know, yeah. is, is it breaks her. And I, I, it's just, it's just great stuff. And it really keeps people in. So when you started doing comedy, was it anything like that? Or did that have to grow as you grew as a comedian? Yeah,
0: that definitely was very different. Like when I first started, I mean, I was very, very silly and I mean, it's still silly, but like, it was very abstract. It was, Mm. it was very, uh, you know, I'm a big, I've I've always been a big fan of like Steve Martin and stuff or just weird and different non-cyberpunk
1: type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's type of
0: stuff. And so I, I was a lot more heavier on that. And then, and then I kind of became, as I put sets together and just was a comedian longer, kind of, kind of fell into becoming a storyteller. I just kind of my, my true voice kind of came out mm-hmm. and I am, you know, my set is more like storytelling and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And, you know, you just right. You know, everyone always says you write, write about your life and write about what you know. And I just, I, now I have children and I have a wife and I, you know, and so that's kind of what the act has evolved into. Whereas before I, I mean, I, I, I used to be like, just, the perfect comedian for a college, you know, and I would do some, I would do college shows. And now I'm like, man, if I, if I do book a college show, I gotta, I gotta look in some old notebooks yeah. here about, <laughs> you know, my wife and, and having kids. Uh, uh-huh. So it's definitely evolved and changed,
1: you know, as, as my life has changed, it's definitely reflecting what's going on in my life. Yeah. Do you, you seem really, really comfortable on stage. Is that true? Or are you just a nervous wreck before you go up?
0: No, I, uh, I am, I am pretty comfortable on stage. I mean, I, you know, I, I have my shows if the stakes are high or there's certain, you know, important people there or it's, yeah. I mean, if the stakes are high it's like, Oh, well, this this one performance will affect my future you know that's obviously but i i mean i think it's just a background and i did speech in grade school and theater and i've just always loved i mean i'm one of seven you know i'm the middle child in a family of seven okay (laughs) i would make a joke that i I need attention yeah so this is where i get it i never got it you know at home (laughs) I was always overlooked, so I just crave the spotlight.
1: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. You're the Jam Brady of your family, so that's cool. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) When you you got out of the... Well, let's talk about improv a little bit, because I'm in a lot of comedy groups and stuff like that, and there's always the faction that just totally shits on improv it's like improv is not comedy that's that's not good mm-hmm. and then there's the ones who say improv really improved my stage presence and being a good comedian and uh, being present and stuff like that it's so evident when you watch comedians that did improv that they are more engaged with the audience and Do you feel that that really helped you get to be as comfortable as you are on stage and able to, you know, be be silly with the audience and stuff like that? Um,
0: I think it definitely helped as far as my comfortability on stage, because, you know, I mean, you're you're out there kind of on a wire with no net when you're doing improv And, uh, you do that so much, you, you, you do get used to being on stage and, and not knowing what's going to happen. And so it definitely helped with, uh, being comfortable on stage. And as far as, I mean, people always think like, you know, Oh, it helps you come back. You know, you know, if someone drops the glass, you have improv, so you're able to, (laughs) and I don't know if that really helps because it's like, it's just, it's just, if you are comfortable, then your mind is, is it's, it's able to be free to think of what you know to say or something funny because you're just more in your natural element as opposed to like if you know person's first time on stage they go up someone drops a glass they're probably not going to address it because they're like wait a minute I'm still trying to figure out what this light is doing to my face yeah (laughs) are just out of their element and so it's just like yeah that comfortability on stage opens doors for you to be more flexible and and you know react to weird things that happen or to mess with the crowd you know
1: right right now your your bits are like like you say it's more more of a storytelling thing and they tend to be longer bits with lots of good tags and you it, it seems very natural you're very good at making it look like it's the first time you said it and and it's more of a conversation but like you know say the the cat joke, the, the the hairball joke, and that's yeah. it's, it's a little bit longer because you talk about you know do you like cats and stuff like that, and you're weird if you like cats, and th- then you get into the hairball. How long did it take to put all of that together into a joke where you felt like it was good enough to put on dry bar or or any or, or in a headlining set?
0: Um, I think. I mean, that, I think that jo- I had had that joke for a while and that was kind of a good closing joke before I ever did the dry bar. So I knew that one was strong and that I wanted to be on there. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the, the cat hairball, you know, waking me up and being on my pill, like that's, that's, that happened. You know, it's, yeah. it's true. Yeah, <laughs> It's, it's kind of like, that's one of those bits where it writes itself and you're like, I just have to tell the story and just kind of milk every beat. But, um, yeah a lot of a lot of i mean that particular one I don't know there's and that that's kind of one thing that's frustrating is like when you put it down like when you put it down either you know on the driver special or on an album it's it's out there yeah And I am not one of these comics that, okay, my album's done. I will never do those jokes again. Yeah. I got to, you know, I got to, got to evolve into the next album. Yeah. And so I'm still doing those for a little while. And then and you kind of, you come up with tags or you make it stronger after it's been recorded and you're kind of like, what am I doing? Why am I putting the energy into strengthening this bit that's already been recorded? You know, (laughs) it's frustrating. Yeah. And so, I mean, no joke. I, yeah. No joke is ever really done. I don't think.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. And, and do you, as far as your writing process goes, you know, coming from the improv, are you more of a, you know, you have it written down exactly how you want to say it? Or do you take ideas on stage? What, how, how do things get on stage for you?
0: Uh, I mean, I, I do all the, all the different ways when I, it's funny was when I started, it was, you know, I'd be at a computer And Mm -hmm. I just write from scratch. And that's how I would do it. I mean, I have notebooks of typed papers that I printed out. That's how I would do it when I was in college and putting those shows together. And it was just, okay, rehearse, rehearse. And now it's to the point where I will write in a notebook, you know, just to make sure I'm writing and and doing my, you know, morning pages or whatever, Mm -hmm. just to get it out. But I mean, I, I think the best way that I write, which I should do more is where I just walk, is just going for walks mm-hmm. and just put my mind like, okay, I'm on stage and just talking to myself as if I am on stage. Cause that's when I come up with stuff, mm-hmm. but I don't do, I don't do like, I don't know, Bill Burr, Louis CK, whatever, where they're like, Oh, I'll just work it out on stage. Cause I've done that enough. I mean, things come to you on stage, but I don't like take an idea with no beats and go on stage because I've I have tried that, and I have had
1: my wiener in my hand. Yeah, so have in I, In a yeah.
0: crowd with nothing to, you know, I was like, huh. You know?
1: And, and the funny thing is, it's not just that that, that that premise sucks. It's the fact that it sucked, and nobody reacted in any way and you don't even want to get into your good stuff at that point you're you're so mad at yourself for doing it that you're like i don't even really need to be up here anymore
0: yeah yeah and that's what's frustrating is like you're upset like in your head you know you're in trouble and they don't know in the audience they're like okay where's he going because they think oh he's getting to it he's getting to it and you're like no that was it that was it
1: (laughs) There's no end game here. It's a it's yeah. a punchline-less joke. <laughs>
0: right.
1: Yeah, it, that can be brutal sometimes. Yeah. So, being a being a married dude with kids and l- l- let's pretend that covid isn't making a comeback and you're you're going back on the road or whatever um a lot how, how do you balance your life uh with uh the traveling and your married life and stuff like that
0: uh well i don't i won't i don't do long tours we'll all go out like mm-hmm. i'll go you know i'll go out for a weekend come back be home for the week mm-hmm. go for the weekend back and uh i usually won't do like I don't know, four, if I do four weekends in a row, it's, it's pretty stressful at home. You know, as far as like, I just feel like, okay, my wife's doing everything and, and the kids aren't seeing me except for when they get home from school.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's rare that I'll do that. But I mean, I was, you know, I, w- I did a couple, I was doing cruises before COVID mm-hmm. and that's where you're gone for at least, You know, anywhere from 14 to 18 days. I mean, it could be way longer, but I always said, I'll never do more than two weeks. Yeah, I think they got me for two and a half one time. And that's tough because there's no, you know, the phones. If I'm in the, you know, middle of the ocean, there's no phone and the the internet that you have to pay for is satellite internet. So it's like slow and choppy. (laughs) So it's like, not only are you not home, but it's like you're, you're, it's, you're very limited as far as contacting them at all. Um so that's tough. So but now yeah, I mean I'll just do I go out and go back. Uh-huh. So so I don't do like long stringing tours together.
1: Yeah. So not as bad. Do you have like goals that you would like to hit? Uh, I, I I think the dry bar was a, is a great it, is a great launching pad uh, just like being yeah. on Letterman's a great launching pad. It, it gets people noticed. So do you have some goals in mind that you'd like to do as far as your standup goes or take it in a different direction?
0: Uh, I mean, I would love to, I would love, I mean, as, it's funny because I, I would love to get on TV again as far as like do a late night set again. You know, uh-huh. that's kind of my next uh, short term goal as far as the next thing I would like to do. Um, but I'm just, I'm just writing more now, but it's funny that that's a goal because I feel like TV is, is slowly becoming less and less important. It's, yeah. it's definitely less impactful. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there used to be what, three, four stations and it was, everyone saw you if you were on. And now there's, you know, there's, you work with someone, it's a feature that you've never met and you don't know. And they have been on TV a bunch, you know, right. it's like, it just, it just doesn't do as much but i it's such an exciting thing and it's just so fun that i want to do it again you know what i mean yeah um but yeah i don't know i mean i just as far as i just kind of want to get this is my 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 goal is to have people coming to the club like to be able to pack a club because my name's on the billboard not because oh let's go see comedy you know uh-huh. what I mean? right yeah that's kind of the. That's kind of that's the end game goal. Mm-hmm. And what if, that's, and if I can get past that? That'd be great.
1: Yeah, that's really good. And what do you do as far as self promotion to get to that point where you've got those true fans that will show up wherever you show up? Well,
0: I'm trying. Uh, I mean, I, I, I you know I plug everything on my shows and try to get people to follow me. I used to uh, do. I used to collect email addresses and work on my mailing list yeah. you know yeah. to keep in contact and have it specified by each city and then I I couldn't read like I couldn't read their hand. I got to figure out a new system I gotta, like do it on an iPad or something have them enter it themselves yeah. <laughs> and give them like give them swag as motivation uh-huh. for them to sign up <laughs> because I don't want someone I don't want anyone breaking an iPad but I need the you know I just can't read anyone say or I don't know there's so many People would fill them out and write jokes on there. Right. And then I have to get home and manually enter them. And so I kind of stopped, and I haven't restarted doing that. I mean, you can join my mailing list through my website, but yeah. I don't know how, you know.
1: Actually, it's not bad. I put, I actually put a pop-up on mine, and it, I I get, you know, maybe 10 a month. Uh, oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah, that's good. I mean, it's not
0: terrible. You know, it's funny as mine. I have to... <laughs> I have to talk to my web guy because the default, like when you say the the state you're in, uh-huh. the default is, you know, Alabama because it's the top one. Yeah. Uh huh. And so I'm like, I would get these because I get notified every time I get a new one. I'd be like, oh wow, another Alabama. Like they're all, everyone from Alabama. It's and it's like, so he needs to change it so that you have to select it, like yeah. where it says, you know, select your state. Uh-huh. They just ignore it. And so it just stays on the top one. Right. But I have to, like, have it changed to where it forces them to pick. Because now they're all in I don't know where half of mine are because they're all
1: from Alabama. You know, maybe exclusive. they are all in Alabama because I'm in Alabama now. And I'm, I'm actually in Madison, Alabama. We're in the same town in different states. So maybe they are uh, all you're from... You're in Madison,
0: Alabama? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. So it's right by Huntsville. And uh, okay. we've got a comedy club here. So maybe you should uh, come down and... Do a spot, maybe. Maybe all your true fans are here. Yeah, all all
0: those people. Yeah, from <laughs> the last few years. What is the club? What is the club by you?
1: Stand up live.
0: Oh, okay, cool.
1: I think it is. It, it, it's a. It's an off, it, It's owned by a, a bigger comedy club, but it's they call it stand up. Is live. it a levity? Is it a levity room? It might be. Um, h- how old are your kids now? Uh, eight, seven, and. Three. Okay, so at least your eight-year-old, do, do they have a idea of what dad does for a living? Well,
0: yes, yes, they know what I do for a living. And you know what's funny is like, so, okay, so I had two stories. So uh, my when my set for Letterman was written, I had my daughter because we have girl, boy, girl. Uh-huh. So I had my daughter, and my wife was pregnant with my son, uh-huh. and then between. Performing that set and taping it, you know, and then submitting it. My son was born, and so I didn't change it. He like I work. I talked with the booker, and he was like, "Well, do you want to change it?" And I was like, "I think just do it how it is." So in the act, I talk about how my wife's pregnant, but when we went, so I went with my wife and my son to New York the taping and my daughter stayed with my Uh mother-in-law so i'm on stage talking about she's pregnant with my son but he's actually backstage and they were hanging out with uh, ella (laughs) henderson and the band yeah that were on as cool as we got a picture of her of ella henderson that performed right after me holding my son Uh that was kind of cool yeah to show him when he gets older but then as far as the yeah as far as them knowing what i do so you know, everything shut down. We had no work for whatever, a year, a year and a half. And then it started slowly opening up and I got a outdoor, I got a gig, an outdoor gig in Port Washington, Wisconsin. And mm. I was so excited. I was like, ah, oh, cause I did a ton of zoom shows and I was mm. like, oh, this will be great. This will be perfect. A live audience. They're probably starving for entertainment. I am starving to be in front of a live audience. It's going to be awesome. I'll bring my son it just you know why not he can see me for the first time it'll be awesome mm-hmm. so i bring him and nobody is masked except for me uh, and him it's just one of those parts of wisconsin where it's like they just not you know they're going to pretend covid isn't existing. yeah and then i and i and i realized like so you know an outdoor show at a restaurant is not an ideal show like it's just that you know when you're doing comedy you know there are shows that suck Uh but you do them because you're a comedian you want money or you just you know that's what we do we do comedy but after covid i was like i forgot about that i was like oh it's a show of the live audience this is going to be great i'll bring Uh my son so he's watching me and i mean it was this was an awful show they're like no one's mass I'm doing jokes addressing COVID because you got to talk about it. You know, this <laughs> is weird to just ignore it. Yeah. And they're like, "Yeah, we don't wear masks around here." And I'm just like, "Oh my god!" Uh, I'm making jokes like, "Oh, you guys probably think it's a hoax." One guy's like, "It is a hoax." Like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then one guy, so it's a restaurant. Some guy's walking out to his car. He wasn't even at the comedy show, and he yells out, "You suck!" <laughs> He's just walking by a comedy show and is
1: like, oh, this is this is what I want. I'm glad my son's here. You know, oh, it was this awful. Oh, and, and and you're not even you're not even going into like Lewis Black material. You know, you're oh, you're, no, you're just doing all. regular stuff, and yeah. you make one one comment, and they turn against you. I, I was oh, at an outdoor show that was very similar to that. Um, have you ever run into Jeff Shaw? He does. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so um, I saw oh, you him. You and- Jeff
0: Shaw, I bet he was the feature act. He was featuring the weekend that I got
1: told, just do announcements. Yeah. <laughs> How funny is that? <laughs> yeah, it's he's amazing. been a while. You guys all know each other. But he, he yeah. did an outdoor thing, and he it was it was a, a similar Part of the country it was cornfield 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 restaurant and he was he was doing it outdoors and he talked about the cornfield he talked a little bit uh, about covid and then he got the the it's it's a hoax booze and stuff yeah. like that but the worst part was that there was two tables out front up front and they were like picnic tables that were just loaded with people that didn't have any desire to listen to Jeff they just wanted to talk and he couldn't get them to shut up to save his life so it was right. it was a rough show for him and uh but we became friends after after that so that was nice so that's, that's funny <laughs> oh gosh there's always those people yeah so as far as you know you are you work pretty clean all the time, it looks like. I mean, I I, I know that when you do. Well, like I a... mean,
0: I've, I think I've been told that I work clean. That's kind of why I like. I consider yes, I do clean comedy, but I never really looked at that way until I've just been told or booked that way uh-huh. a lot. And I mean, my you know my club set is different than a dry bar right. show. In my right. dry bar show, because that's like that's squeaky. Yeah, the dry bar is like squeaky clean, and uh, in a club, I mean. I don't get raunchy. It's I think it, I look at it as more like sophomoric and and child yeah. like kind of immature, right. yeah. poopy humor. You know, sometimes. Yeah, like I'll get into that,
1: but I'm not like
0: super vulgar, vulgar at
1: all, really. Right, and I would say cleanish, and um, in in, yeah. in most cases, and that is, I obviously it's perfect for TV, and audiences seem to really gravitate towards it but have you ever been in a club where the you're the headliner or even the feature and the host is super dirty and the feature super dirty and then you come out and do you have you ever been in that situation where the crowd is all ready to hear a lot of f-bombs and uh, sexually explicit stuff and then you come out talking about hairballs and uh, being tall.
0: Nah, not, not really like where I'm headlining a show just because I think, I think when I'm booked, they are mindful of, they know what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, I don't have any requirements, you know, as far as openers or anything like that. I mean, I did, I was featuring at, uh, this was may have been one of the worst shows of my career. I was at uh, Morty's in Indianapolis. <laughs> I mean, that's not even there anymore. is it? No. Yeah. Morty's is gone. But uh, Miss Pat did was doing a wanted to do a guest set, so she did a guest set before me. And she did a very deaf, deaf comedy jam set. And that was like going from her dirty set. I mean, she can work clean, she's very you know versatile, Mm. but that night she was not, she was giving them a you know a very Urban and dirty and just explicit show. And then here comes Johnny talking about Johnny Beaner has a tiny wiener. They were
1: not having.
0: <laughs> oh, I ate it. Oh my God. It was just, it was brutal. It was brutal. They start, they're like, uh, one guy, I mean, it's just quiet for most of the time. And then they start booing. And then I was like, well, all right, well, I'm not, uh, what did I say? I said something like, all right, I'm almost done. And then they start cheering. I go, well, I'm not done yet. And then they start
1: booing. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, it was brutal. So uh, on a set like that, the aftermath, how long do you allow yourself to feel bad about it? Well, I mean, I'd still talk about it on podcasts,
0: obviously. Uh, No, but you know what, though? I, I mean, I... I was pretty, I mean, I was, I, I was, I was, I was pissed at the audience. Cause I was like, that's shitty, you know? Uh-huh. All right. You don't like me, whatever. But that's like, when you actively boo, if I bomb, then that's on me. But like when you're booing and just being like assholes. So I, after the show, I stood by the door and handed out my cards and, uh-huh. you know, I, I still pitched my merch Yeah. and I acted like I, I acted like I was oblivious to what just happened. Uh-huh. And these people are coming out and they'd see me. I'd be like, Hey, here's my card. Follow me. And they'd be, they must've been, like, <laughs> is this Mon? Does this guy, is he serious? Does he have no idea that he just ate it? But I was like, you know what? Screw it.
1: <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> that's, that's. Probably what I would do too. It, 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 you know, if, if if nothing else, it shows that you're uh, you're still in control of your own career. So uh, yeah, even exactly. though it was a shitty show, I, and it's just you can't control some of those things. You know, if yeah. if Miss Pat wouldn't have been there, then it might have been okay. Um, but yeah, the show, the other shows that weekend were fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so coming up, you, you know. You've gotten to meet, you know, people I know, Eddie and uh, Jeff and things like that. Um, did you uh, have anybody that really mentored you and steered you in a way to not only on the the writing and the performance side, but also the business side of comedy that helped you out? Um, well, you know, uh, do you know, you know, Greg Hahn? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: He, uh, so he, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm friends with him and he's he's been like huge. as far as when I started out, as far as helping me. So I saw him on comedy centrals, make me laugh, uh-huh. you know, and just thought it was so funny. And this is before I even did stand up. This is like when I was in high school and stuff. And my, me and my brothers would watch, like we would tape it and watch it and thought it was so funny. Uh-huh. I didn't even realize he was a comedian because that show is so ridiculous. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just thought he was someone's like hilarious, funny dad, Yeah, you know, because he's telling these, you know, the horse j- pun jokes or whatever. Uh-huh. And uh, and then my brother was on a plane with him and uh, like a year later or whatever, I was like, hey, are you, were you on Make Me Laugh? And he was like, yeah, I'm on my way to Milwaukee to perform at the Comedy Cafe. And so me and my brother went to see him and I brought a VHS tape (laughs) of one of my shows that I did at college. Uh And I, you know, after the show, I was like, Hey, it's great to meet you. I'm a huge fan of yours. Hey, here's a tape of me doing stand-up. You know, if you have any pointers or anything, and he's such a saying, I mean, he's such a good guy. You know, he actually watched it. Wow. And he was like, you know, well, you know, yes, you have, you have potential. You will be funny in down the road this is you know there's a lot of funny stuff on here and he uh he brought me he booked a gig at uh what was it one liners somewhere in is that in indianapolis i don't remember where that was or indy it was in indiana somewhere uh, i don't remember the city i yeah
1: i i don't think that would be indy but i don't know what it closed a while ago it i mean fort it, was, wayne? it
0: was in the state of indiana i just don't remember it wasn't indianapolis was i can't it, remember this do you, you know?
1: think it was fort wayne maybe no, no? Fort okay. Wayne. no, I don't know. I, I don't
0: think of it, but it's closed now, but he brought me to feature and I mean, it was great. You know, I mean, I, I, I didn't do very good cause I was brand new to, you know, real comedy in front of stranger strangers. Mm-hmm. And I actually, I actually got ended up getting bumped down to host from feature. Cause <laughs> he just brought me on word of mouth. Like, Hey, I got a feature I'm going to bring in there. Like, okay. And I just didn't do good. And the, the guy that was hosting, has been doing it a while. He's a buddy of mine, Mike Marvell from uh Wisconsin. And uh-huh. so we just kind of we swap they had a swap. It's just a better show that way. But yeah, I mean, Greg, he would give me contacts. He'd be like, Yeah, here fit, a, hit up funny business, reach out to them. You should be doing their rooms. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then one, you know, we he took me out for lunch and we're like going over my act, and he's like doing my jokes for me and kind of like I I would do the thing where you kind of what's it called, where you you ruin the punchline by set in the setup. You kind of blow the surprise. Yeah. So I had a habit of doing that. like uh-huh. saying too much early. And so he would kind of do my act or do jokes of mine back to me in a better way. And I was just like pissing my pants at my own materials. Like, Oh my God, that's so smart. Yeah. But he definitely has helped me a lot. Um, and I also, he's, you know, he is probably one of the funniest comedians I have ever seen. Yeah. I will watch his whole headline set Yeah, over and over
1: still today yeah he's a he's, nut he's a, nut. a
0: riot yeah
1: well th- so, thanks yeah, for... he's,
0: he's probably the biggest one that's helped
1: me that's great uh thanks for everybody that's watching and uh commenting i i don't know who Agneta waiter is your dreams online i think this may be uh maybe somebody trying to get me on an OnlyFans or something so yeah never <laughs> mind about that uh so, <laughs> <laughs> um uh. I did I did want to talk about because I didn't know about the podcast coming into it. Can you tell me a little bit about what the podcast The Calvary is all about? Sure. Yeah. The Cal so we
0: are on episode we've done eighty-six episodes so far. Exciting mean, wherever I take pride that we have not missed a week yet. Nice. We always had a backlog, and so we never had a blank week. Um, but it's me and comedian Andrew Slater, okay, who also has a dry bar special. He's hilarious. And uh, we did a cruise together. We met each other a long time ago. I think we met each other at the great American comedy festival and we've known each other for a while. And then we did a cruise together and hit it off. And then when, when COVID hit, we were like, you know, he, he was like, Hey, you want to do a podcast together? So basically the gist of the cavalry is we take topics, we bring up topics that we need backup on, like try to think of it. I mean, we do, we do it every week. And I always struggle to think of what an example would be like, <laughs> you know, like, uh, uh, M M&M- uh, a handful of them, like M and M's should not be eaten one at a time. Mm-hmm. Two handfuls is a bag of M and M's. And then you just try to back the other person up. Sometimes it works. Sometimes the other person's like, I can't, I mean, sometimes it's more serious than, you know, M and M's and stupid shit like that. Yeah, But like it, uh, so we just bring topics and we try to back each other up no matter how insane. So that's like the, the bones of it. And it, uh-huh. you know, a lot of it just ends up being conversation stuff, but we have fun comes out every Monday night, uh, every Monday morning. I don't know when it drops, but it, there's new ones every Monday, Yeah, but it's the cavalry. And everyone always gets it confused with the Calvary. It's uh-huh. not the Calvary. It's the cavalry.
1: <laughs> like calling, you know, calling in the backup. I, you know, yeah, the cavalry here. it's that, that extra oh. L is, uh, makes it a totally different word. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, I was like, Oh, when we have guests, they're like, Oh, I thought it was a religious thing. No. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So one of the things I like to ask uh, just about everybody I have on, what do you know now about stand-up comedy that you wish you would have known when you started? Uh, That's a,
0: that is a good question. That's an interesting question because let's see, what do I know now? There's things that uh, if I had known, Back then, if I, if there's things that I know now that if I had known back then, I don't know if I would have kept doing. You know what I mean? Is it so hard? Yeah. So many things are out of your hands, and you just kind of have to be a you know, a dreamer uh-huh. and not know how it works to to stay in it. Um, but what do I know now? oh gosh that is a that is a good question i don't do do any of your guests ever say i have no idea
1: uh i think i've had one or two yeah (laughs) oh boy i don't know that's a
0: i guess i don't know yeah i I can't think of anything i mean i would just i'm trying to think advice of something i would say to myself when i started but
1: i i just i'll i'll i will let you out of it how about that (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> sure, sure. You you can let me hem and haw a little more if you
1: want. Yeah, we'll do we'll do some uh, we'll do some uh, tall guy solidarity there, and uh, and I'll just let you out of I it. I get a I get a pass. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> um, as far as the this will probably be the last question, but as far as the business of comedy goes do you feel like that things are starting to get better for stand-up comics or do you feel like things are getting a little bit worse for stand-up comics and why um I mean are you talking about like in the long run in general yeah. or are you talking about
0: COVID or why
1: yeah I, I would take COVID out of it I'd say in general um I think
0: I think in general, um, I think they are getting better uh, in the long run as far as like, if you are motivated, you can literally do any, you know, you can do anything you want. You can reach your audience. You Mm. don't have to wait for gatekeepers or anything like that. If you have what they're looking for and what they're interested in, you know, you have a YouTube channel and you're savvy enough to get eyes on you, you can create your own audience create your own demand so in that regards i definitely think that but uh, you know with that comes it's very crowded right and there are people that are excellent at social media but they are not excellent at stand up comedy mm-hmm. that have decided to do that so you're competing with that which is frustrating so i think it kind of I, I it's kind of both ways but i mean if you have the skill i think now is a good time mm-hmm. because the accessibility is just so out there and great. I yeah. mean, there used to be four channels or whatever it was to get on late night, and now there's you know there's still late night. There's Netflix. There's you know any. There's just Amazon. I mean, there's so many avenues. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's that's good. Have you ever had to feature for a TikTok star? Yes, <laughs> yes, I did. I
0: did once. I don't know if it was TikTok or you. I think it was YouTube. And they're, yeah, I mean, and it was, it's funny, it was, it was like, it was kind of flattering how they were like, whoa, like after the show, they're like, whoa, it, you're really good. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like they were blown away and the audience, you know, like my set, but like they, they did great because the audience was there to see them. Yeah. And it was them that they saw, and so they were happy. You know, everyone was happy, Yeah, but it was just fun to, you know, do really well in front of people that didn't come to see me.
1: Yeah, it's such a different muscle. One one of the guys I interviewed uh, last year, uh, Corey Ryan Forrester, uh, did during the pandemic, he got really big into the TikToks and the videos and stuff like that, and he doesn't necessarily enjoy it uh as much as, definitely not as much as doing the stand up because when i yeah. told him when i told him i was interviewing him he, he'd been on a lot of podcasts talking about his persona it's a buttercream dream that he does on uh the tiktok instagram and all that kind of stuff and okay. he's like and i'm like i just want to talk about your stand up comedy he said oh thank you thank you i don't want to. <laughs> but it's it's definitely a different muscle because i mean you're you're trying to get the biggest punch you can in like 30 seconds and right. Yeah.
0: It's a good writing exercise for sure. It is.
1: It is. It's almost like doing current event stuff. You, if you can, if you can be different and better at doing a current event joke, then that makes all your writing better. So, yeah.
0: So did he say, did he, so he's obviously seen like a huge uptick in people coming to his shows because of his TikTok. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, he's, uh, I mean, he's, he's really kind of a, I guess a double threat, not a triple threat, but uh, kind of a double threat because he's got that audience, and he's got the people who like him as a stand-up. And yeah, and it's uh, he 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 really did well with it. And he's I notice he's doing fewer videos now that he's able to get on the road now, but he's still keeping yeah. it up to keep keep that fan base there.
0: Um, yeah, I did that for a while. I did. I'm on TikTok, and I did like because uh, my partner Andrew. Uh, from the podcast, started doing it, and he had a goal of like doing it one a new video every day. Yeah, and so I did that. And they, I mean, it's a lot easier to get a video to explode you know, the numbers to explode on TikTok than Instagram or yeah. YouTube or Facebook, right? I mean, they really explode. So it, I got you know, big numbers and big following from that. And uh, and then I just kind of ran out of gas after I don't know how long and just didn't post one every day and now it's you know i haven't posted one in a while yeah but it's a good that's a good reminder of you saying
1: that that i need to be more posting more yeah i just i just recently talked to jeff plitt and he's got like a million million Mm -hmm. a a few million views and about a hundred thousand followers and he does all his videos in one day and he just like changes clothes and uh, d- does it all in one day. That way, he's got all his content done. Like, oh yeah, he's got them all Monday. Yeah. yeah, on Monday or something like that. So I thought that was good. That's smart. Yeah. Um. So working. Uh, speaking of social media, I got your website up. Where can people find you? Uh, as far as all the socials go,
0: uh, they're all Johnny Comic. Yeah, J o h n n y Comic, and that's my Twitter. That's my Instagram. I think that's my uh, TikTok and then my, that's also
1: my Facebook fan page account. Mm -hmm. Okay. Johnny, just Johnny comic across the board. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. It's really, really been nice getting to know you. And uh, I, I I think you're hilarious and I, I really hope 2022 is a great year for you doing comedy.
0: Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. It's good to meet you and good to chat with you. Yeah. I hope I wasn't too boring. No, you're great. I I hope I didn't have too many
1: hems and haws. Yeah. I'm more of a hem and hawer anyway, so. (laughs) That's all right. Yeah. Well, thanks for being on the show, Johnny. You bet. Thank you. Mm